This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. From not sunny, cloudy, and chilly, actually, to this time of year, Los Angeles. Hey there, America. I'm Leslie Marshall, welcome, and the world. Uh, people listening online, uh, following us, uh, and listening online uh, throughout the various sources, listening on the radio here in the U.S. More than a pleasure to be with you this afternoon and glad to have you with us. We're glad to have back as well um, our great guest and a good friend of mine personally and of the show, Scott and Paul. Scott is president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. And the AAM, as you should know, is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. For years, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing Manufacturing a top-of-mind issue for voters. And as you've seen from headlines and heard from even our current president, that has been a successful uh, strategy. Uh, They also have done this with our national leaders, uh, such as not just the president, but others in Congress and on local uh, legislative political levels. And they've done it through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy. More than a pleasure to have back Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Scott, thank you for joining us. Welcome back. And I'm so excited to have you on today because the last, you know, many, many times we have talked about, and welcome, happy Tuesday. <laughs> happy Tuesday to you. It is a, it's a glorious day here in D.C., so um, you, you one of those picture-perfect uh, Chamber of Commerce days, they, 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 they say, which, which you have every day, Leslie. No, so. I don't. Actually, I was in D.C. a few <laughs> weeks ago, just flew in and out, so I didn't get to see you, and the cherry blossoms blew, and it was sunny, and it was lovely, and I came back and got off the plane, and I was freezing. I'm like, what is You know, there is climate change for no other reason that it is sometimes warmer in Boston or Buffalo, two of my former homes, than it is in L.A. where I live, depending on the time of year. Uh, but, you know, you and I constantly, constantly have talked about China, and we've talked about currency manipulation. And the president will not call China a currency manipulator. Two questions for you, Scott. Um, First of all, there are those that say, well, China isn't currently manipulating their currency. Uh, Well, first, let's just start with that. Is China still manipulating their currency? Because there are some that say, well, the president's actually correct in not saying that because they're not doing it at this second. Is Is that correct or is that incorrect? It's a good question, and it really depends on how you look at it. So in the law, there's a three-part test to determine whether China is manipulating its currency, and it meets one of those tests, but it it doesn't currently meet the the other two. Um, 
then there's the question of, you know, which way is China's currency headed uh, versus the dollar? And as a rule of thumb, if the currency is headed down, that means that our trade position is going to be worse with China. If their currency is headed up, that means our trade position is going to probably be a little better with China. And it's been it, it's been inching down, although some people believe that that unless the, the, the government of China I- intervened, uh, it would be headed even lower. And this gets to the other point, which is that because the financial markets in China are so opaque, that is that they're, uh, they're, they're, it's hard to move money around, it's hard to get money in, that any ch- time investors have a chance to get money out of China, they're going to take it. And, and that's what they've been doing, particularly as the Chinese economy has been softening. And then there's a final way of looking at it, Leslie, which you know is, is economic theory, which suggests that if you're running persistently high trade deficits, your exchange rate will adjust to correct for that. That means that you know to bring your trade deficit down, your exchange rate, your, your, the, the strength of your currency will go up. If, if you're uh, running a, uh, a trade deficit like the United States, the, the the value of your currency will drop. So from that perspective, you know, you think that Chinese China's currency should be dropping. Uh, and so I think that no matter where you fall on this issue, there's probably an answer that would be somewhat satisfying and also an answer that would be somewhat disappointing to you. And the honest-to-God's truth is that the president has a lot of, uh, you know, uh, just a, a lot of authority, a lot of leeway uh, in, in terms of deciding whether to do this or not to do this. And what does it truly mean if he does? And when I say what does it truly mean, is it just verbal? Is it rhetoric? Rhetoric? Is it a verbal reprimand? And I, and I say that because some are saying that he's kind of using it as a bargaining chip with China to get their help with North Korea uh, and uh, with some other trade issues, uh, perhaps. So uh, first, is he using it as a bargaining chip? And uh, the president stating such, does China eye roll and just get PO'd that you know they're verbally poo-pooing them? That is the yeah. That, that I think that's a fair point. So, uh, and this is the interesting thing, Leslie. During the campaign, you know, Trump criticized both uh, President Obama and President Bush for using workers and using this currency issue as a bargaining chip in international diplomacy, which is something he said he would not do. You remember that, the the forgotten man and woman? So so Trump said he would not do this. So so that's number one. I mean, number two is that every president has gone into office sounding tough on China uh, and ending up, once they got into office, softening that position a little bit. Bill Clinton called the Beijing government the, the butchers of Beijing, uh, after the Tiananmen Square massacre, and said that, that that George Herbert Walker Bush had been too weak on China, that he would be tougher. Clinton was never really tough on China after the the first year or two of his presidency. Yeah. Uh, so Obama gets in and said uh, George W. Bush had been a quote unquote patsy when it came to China and trade, and said he would do the opposite. And so President Obama had 16 chances to designate China as a currency manipulator. And I will say that they were certainly manipulating their currency during at least half of 
Obama's presidency. He never did. You know, President Obama never uh, named China as a currency manipulator once. And so here Trump comes in saying, I'm rejecting that. I will not use workers as a bargaining chip. Uh, and then he – that's exactly what he does. And, and not only does he do that, he makes a point of broadcasting it on Twitter. He says, why would I name China as a currency manipulator when I'm trying to get them to work with me on North Korea? So he rejected you know, the, the own – his own criticism, basically, uh, th th that he made of that approach uh, during the campaign. Now, would it upset China? I, you know, it's it's hard to gauge. I mean, China doesn't like to be called out on things. At the same time, uh, generally, they haven't been reforming their economy on their own. It's only been been when they've prodded from the outside. And how much? leeway does the president have in terms of, of applying sanctions? And the answer is a lot. You could basically name China as a currency manipulator or not do much at all. You could name China and uh, impose some sanctions. You could uh, name China and impose some very severe tariffs as well. So again, there's some leeway uh, on the part of the president to, to do some of that. But he, he dramatically reversed course from where his rhetoric was even just a couple of weeks ago. And I know we're kind of doing this in, in, in reverse order because I wanted to talk about Trump and China first, and we have some other uh, things to talk about. But, you know, let's, uh, you know, definitely uh, keep on this because, you know, since we've last spoke, so much has changed. And like you said, this is a complete about face. There were those that predict, Scott, that Trump would do yet another about face. In other words, it's almost like he's not married to anything he says or any policy uh, that he proposes. And that's not just to China, but also to the American people, which I think he has uh, shown because since we last spoke, he's He's continued to back away, like you said, from his firm trade stance with China. He's now using it to negotiate foreign policy. And I also wanted you to speak to that. We have had for the past three administrations people that are unwilling um, to be tough with economic sanctions on North Korea or to bring China into the fray uh, with North Korea. Um, do, do you feel that, in a sense, Donald Trump is being tougher on China than the past three administrations? People would argue that since Harry Truman, North Korea has been a, a problem, and China certainly has been a problem for the United States. Well, right. Yeah, no, that, there's no question about that, that the, the regime in North Carolina – in, in North uh, Korea uh, is, is, is insular uh, and has, has, has not responded – to international calls to, uh, to 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 not proliferate nuclear missiles to develop a program and and a whole range of other topics, including the treatment of its own people. I think the real question here is that you know did did Trump get played by China because ah. if China figures out that look we can you know if we're reticent um, with helping on North Korea. Can we get a concession from – can we indicate that we'd change our position if we can get a concession from the administration on something? And so, you know, in the, in the early score, uh, if you're going to do it that way, it's China won Trump zero because, you know, China gave away absolutely nothing. Um, they can – you know, they, they can – it doesn't really cost them a lot to engage with North Korea on – some matters, which apparently doesn't look like it's bearing fruit anyway. It looks like the North Koreans are proceeding with what they're proceeding with. Uh, and at the same time, they got a concession out of the Trump administration. So you know, I just ask you, is that a good deal? I, ah. I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't know that it, that it is. And that's where, you know, 
projecting some strength, and I don't mean military strength here, but you know, projecting some strength um, uh, could make a difference if it's, if it's applied in the right way at the right time, and I, I, I don't think they achieved that in this case. The tri- uh, we're going uh, to take a break. When we come back, we'll uh, loop back, finish some of this stuff. Uh, we'll finish up uh, with China, and we have two other great topics uh, to talk about. And you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I thought of you, Scott. Uh, this past week since we've or the past couple of, you know weeks since we talked last because so much has happened with regard uh, to trade or you know proposals and pitches to you know buy American which we're also going to touch upon China currency manipulation and more. We'll be back with our guest and with you. You want to join us? Better yet, call 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Follow Scott on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. The website for the AAM is AmericanManufacturing.org. Check it out during this break. We'll be back to you and your calls, questions, or comments now regarding China's currency manipulation and the president refusing to call them out on that and to label them as such. Neither is the Treasury Department. Um, uh, buy American and does Trump do that? Make his products in America? We'll talk about it more when we come back with Scott Paul, president of the Alliance of American Manufacturing. And your calls at 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Don't go away. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Thank you for holding, and uh, welcome back. Uh, I mentioned the Treasury Department before the break, and the Treasury Department has also declined to label any country, really, a currency manipulator. It has kept Japan, South Korea, Taiwan, Germany, and Switzerland, as well as China, on a previously established watch list of countries that merit close attention for their currency practices. Does it have more bang for the buck, no pun intended, if the Treasury Department does this as opposed to the president, or does it does it need uh, to, to, to be both uh, to really publicly shame, if you will, China for the currency manipulation, which we know it clearly has done, uh, perhaps like you said, is still doing, and that denies uh, that it is uh, guilty of? Yeah, that's the I guess that's the rub in all of this is that, you know, presidents and, and every I you know, I remember Mitt Romney in twenty twelve said, I will name China a currency manipulator on day one, which is exactly what Donald Trump said. And which is not far from what Obama said. He gave himself a little more wiggle room there. But n- none of them did it, uh, or and I doubt if Romney would have, either. Quite honestly, but technically speaking, yeah, it's the Treasury Department that issues this report and that that, that makes these estimates. Uh, although, again, the the the, the, the I, obviously the White House can have an influence on that, and and most certainly does. I think the frustrating thing to me is that for so long. We pretended like China wasn't manipulating their currency. 
Okay, because there were so many reports done in the Bush administration and in the Obama administration where China was clearly, by any definition, manipulating their currency uh, in a way that was really doing damage to our economy and costing, uh, over, over a number of years, millions of jobs not named a single time. So it's not like this report has ever been rooted in reality <laughs> and honesty. So, so there's, a, there's a lot of leeway that, that an administration has going in. Um, and, the, um, and the real question is, is what, what do they do with that? And I just, you know, as I indicated you, to you before the break, I, I think the, this administration missed a big opportunity to gain some leverage uh, in this critical uh, in, in this critical relationship, even if they didn't uh, expose China to any sanctions at the time, and this this I know for sure. Uh, even though under some technical de definitions you can say, well, China's not manipulating its currency right now, um, that will not stop China from manipulating their currency in the future, which they almost certainly will if they're in a position to do so and if they think that it's going to give them an economic advantage uh, in some way. And, and I want to make clear that I'm leveling my criticism, not against the Chinese people, not against Chinese workers, but these deliberate practices on the part of Beijing's government to, uh, to basically offload its economic problems on other countries, including our workers. And we've talked about that before, and specifically how manipulating one's currency, especially China manipulating its currency with our trade deficit currently, and how that affects Americans, our economy, and American jobs. You said day one, and you were correct, that the president said he was going to um, call China out as being a currency manipulator. 83 days into his presidency, he not only struck a different chord, because he could have said, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not ready to say that yet. But rather than that, he said, quote, they're not currency manipulators. That's what he told the Wall Street Journal in an interview on April 12th. He added that China has not been manipulating its currency for months and that labeling them a manipulator could discourage the country from helping the United States with North Korea. We get that, but, but in, in, instead of saying on day one they're currency manipulators, on April 12th, to do, he didn't have to say that. He could say, I'm looking into the matter. And I say that because Donald Trump certainly is looking into a number of matters we never hear back on again. Yes. Yeah, there, there's a growing list, Leslie, where, uh, where, where I think that's the case. And, and, and I think this is for, – for someone who advocates every day on behalf of factory workers, I think the fact that this was done so flippantly um, is, is the part that causes me so much concern, uh, in particular after Trump tried to make the point that I'm not going to use workers as a pawn. Right. I mean, and this is the, you know, I know that, you know, Donald Trump hypocrisy, why are you surprised at all, is going to be the response to this. But it's, I think it's, it's particularly upsetting in this case because uh, there, there was this, uh, th this apparent connection made between him and some working class voters that he was going to be different, that right. he was going to be different somehow, uh, when in fact, you know, he's, he's following right. true to form. Uh, and trying to justify it as well along the way. Scott, you read my mind. Another broken campaign promise for the working class um, that was, you know, rah-rahing Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump with regard to trade, no TPP, and calling China out on this. We'll be back with Scott Paul and you right after this. Don't go away. I'm Leslie Marshall.
before he and I move on to some other issues like Wisconsin, where the current the president is currently speaking as we speak, uh, and uh, keeping you abreast of what's going on there, and also talking about Made in America, keeping America great, Made in America by uh, an American, which Scott and I really uh, like and support, but does the president practice what he preaches? Let's take some calls, and we go on line three in Manassas, Virginia, to Ishmael. Ishmael, good afternoon. Question or comment for Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Yes, Father, thank you so much for taking my call and greeting to you guys. Um, I just want to know, if China manipulates currency, what action does he like to see uh, in terms of a punishment, for lack of a better word, and how should we be concerned about, about the U.S. economy if they do that? Okay, so instead of what would Jesus do, what would Scott do uh, in, in regard to currency manipulation? It's a good question. Scott, what would you do? I, I and I think Ishmael, uh, in you know, in his point is trying to you know you want to avoid a trade war as well, like uh, you know what what I think some would call a full blown trade war, which which does rarely ever happened in our history, um, but but it could be bad if it got out of control. I mean, there are a lot of controlled measures that uh, a president can take. It could be um, threatening to impose tariffs over some period of time uh, if China continued to manipulate so you can put them on notice that they can correct their behavior. Um, And if they, after a certain period of time, don't, uh, then trigger some sanctions, uh, which is probably the way I would do it, so that it's not something that's immediate, but it's something that you can earn your way out of this uh, by both giving them an opportunity to avoid sanctions if they if they corrected this behavior. And I would point out that this this behavior uh, of currency manipulation is uh, is frowned upon by the World Trade Organization, although the World Trade Organization has no ability to do anything about it. Uh, the, the International Monetary Fund also rejects currency manipulation, but, but again, there's nothing that the, administra- that, that the IMF can do about it. But through, our, you know, through, through this report and, and through our own trade laws, we can do something about it. So I think that would be my approach, uh, would be to say to China, you have an out on this uh, if, you, uh, if, if you eliminate these behaviors um, and, and you'll be able to avoid sanctions. Otherwise, the, you know, you'll know what you can expect. Uh, and I think we'd be perfectly within our rights as a trading nation uh, to do that. Uh, and in terms of avoiding a trade war, uh, you know, China is much more dependent on the American market. That is, more of their expo- exports go to the American market, uh, in fact, well over 20 percent, closer to 30 percent in some cases, um, then, then we ship to China. You know, only you know about one percent of our GDP is tied up in trade with China. Uh, that the, it, it's an asymmetrical war. They have a lot more to lose than we do. So I don't think that they would be interested in engaging in that. Which is why I said we have a leverage point, and it's a shame we don't use it with China. Uh, thank you for the call, Ishmael, and for the question. Let's go to Wisconsin, where the president uh, is. And um, the president is touting manufacturing growth. Um, Is he, the president, Scott, making a difference? And we'll talk more about specifics with this visit to Wisconsin today. The, uh, you know, is he... You know, is he making a difference? And, and this is something that I've struggled with. Um, you know, the the rhetoric uh, that 
that the president laid out for working people was obviously appealing to a lot of them from a from a trade perspective. And, and interesting, and I don't think you disagree with it, Leslie, you know, sounded a lot like Leo Girard, you know, president of the steelworkers on trade, who, you know, they're polar opposites on, on every other issue. And so I think that there was a lot of appeal there. I think that, you know, the, the challenges that were, you know, we're not quite 100 days in to the Trump administration. Some, some markers have passed on a lot of his promises. And uh, as, as we've been discussing, the record is very mixed here. Um, and so uh, has it made a tangible difference for the American worker yet? And I would say the jury is still out. But I also think that, that time and patience will be running out uh, as well if they, see, uh, if they see the president focusing on other things and not on their uh, not on their concerns, um, and I don't know w- when his time expires. Uh, uh, you know, if I wa- if I if I knew that, I'd be in another line of work. But um, I, I do know that at some point in time, you know, he's got to convert some some of this these promises into reality, and that's what people like Senator Senator Chuck Schumer have been saying, Senator Sherrod Brown have been saying, who who want action on things like trade and Buy America and infrastructure. It's like you've you've got to stop you know, delaying this and start delivering. We're prepared to work with you if you're willing to do that, but you've got to take the first step here. Uh, One of the things uh, apparently that Donald Trump has said in Wisconsin is only hire American workers. Two points there, Scott. One, the president himself has been a hypocrite with regard to that. Mar-a-Lago, his uh, Southern White House, as he likes to call it, um, has hired uh, foreign workers. Um, That has been documented. Uh, You know, one. And two, Almost everything with immigration reform for this guy has to do with building walls and demonizing the people taking the carrot that is being dangled by American corporations. Uh, So in other words, you know, he's not practicing what he's asking people to do, which is only hire American. And he's not penalizing the companies with immigration reform who aren't, quote, only hiring American. Yeah, I think you've hit on the important point, which is the corporate behavior here. Uh, and, And that's. One of the big challenges, particularly with the H-1B visas for kind of skilled workers, that, that's a focus of this executive order that he's signing today, along with the, the Buy America provisions, which, which I like, but again, are just one step in the road. So with respect to H-1Bs and corporations, you know, it's not, you know, the, it's not the workers coming to this country that are at fault. Um, it, it's, it, it's really the companies that are using the loopholes in the in these uh, in the H-1B visa program to displace their uh, perhaps older workforce that is more well compensated with a with workers coming in from overseas who are, are then linked through this visa to the company, uh, creating some sort of an indentured relationship, uh, which subjects them to much more exploitation and probably lower wages that they would get uh, in a freer market. So I am all for using our immigration system to bring entrepreneurs, to bring skilled workers where there are shortages in the United States, because I think that over time, history has shown that that's served our economy well, it served our, 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 our culture well, it's, it's served economic growth well. Uh, but the, the challenge is that, yeah, who, who Trump is targeting here, how is he doing it, and is he doing this in a, in a way that's going to benefit the average man and woman, or in, in his parlance, the forgotten man and woman, 
instead of the companies that have utilized uh, these, these loopholes and programs to gain uh, while many other people have been left behind. Uh, just a couple of minutes ago, the president said, quote, they voted to bring back their jobs and to bring back their dream into our country. There are a lot of people who believe in perception is reality, but we want to talk facts. And you always do when you're on the show, Scott, which is why I ask you, um, has Donald Trump truly brought back jobs? He's, you know, referencing in Wisconsin specifically snap on tools, made America product, um, but other companies that are, you know, bringing jobs back. Are jobs truly coming back? And we're, and if they are, were these plans in motion before the president was elected? Right, right. Because you've seen these announcements from some of the automobile companies and some others that they're that they're uh, Intel uh, that they're making new investments in the United States for hiring workers. And in many cases, and this has been well documented in uh, in the media, uh, the, these plans go back uh, a couple of years. And so it would be hard to to, to call that in every case a a new investment. Um, it is true that we've added, you know, a good number of manufacturing jobs over the last three months. But, but again, you look at the other factors. What's happening is the the rest of the world's economy is is doing a little bit better than it had been, and so, um, and, and the dollar wasn't quite as strong as it had been, and so that generally means that you're going to be adding manufacturing jobs unless your own economy isn't isn't you know, is, is shrinking. Uh, so, you know, that's, we've got a long way to go uh, before we can tell whether there's some effect. It's interesting. I mean, I know you've heard of this, the, you know, the, the, the Trump trade on the, on the stock market. And, you know, there were some steel companies in particular, their, their stock went way up uh, after the election because the president had made all these promises on tax reform, on infrastructure, on things like Buy America, which you know we're talking about today. And, and in recent weeks, the, the, you know their stock has gone down in part because the, the analysts are like, "Well, where, where's the beef here? <laughs> What's happening? I mean, we we kind of traded this up based on this idea, but but we're not anywhere." right now. And so I think there's still a lot of work to be done. And, and I have real questions. I mean, if, if, if he's going to reach out to Democrats who want to work with him on infrastructure, on tax reform, I'm optimistic that we can create some jobs. But I don't, I don't know that he's going to do that. Uh, in uh, Wisconsin, he is there, obviously, uh, giving remarks at the headquarters of Kenosha, Wisconsin's base tool manufacturer, Snap-on, like I mentioned. And he is promoting manufacturing in Wisconsin because he is speaking in that state. Um, is there a reason he chose that state other than he won it uh, in the presidential election and some uh, changes uh, that are being taken, uh, you know, that are being done by the uh, governor there, uh, Scott Walker, certainly very anti-union uh, changes. Um, but how, what is the state of manufacturing in the state of Wisconsin, uh, as far as you can see, Scott? Well, the you know, Wisconsin is a very manufacturing-dependent state. Um, it is... Uh, you know, so, uh, almost 30 percent of the state's economy is in manufacturing. By contrast, uh, nationwide, the, the number is about 12 percent. And so it, it is really a manufacturing hub. Uh, the interesting thing is that on Buy America, one of the leaders in this is Tammy Baldwin who is a progressive Democratic senator from Wisconsin, and I'm not, I'm not sure he worked with her 
uh, at all on this. But it, again, there's a missed opportunity. She has great legislation that would right. uh, improve by America laws. Uh, and so um, it, I'd also like to think, I don't know that this is the case, you know, he's signing this executive order in Paul Ryan's congressional district. And Paul Ryan has been one of the biggest problems on Buy America laws, to be honest. He doesn't want to do it. it it's, it's not in his belief system. Uh, and he'll only do it if he's forced to. So I'd like to think that perhaps, even if it's indirectly, that the president is uh, putting some pressure on his own party here, which I would welcome, I, I will say, because someone needs to do that. Um, the president is saying, uh, you know, many different things, and he is speaking uh, now. So there are, you know, different things that he's saying uh, via streams that we are getting. Um, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll wrap up with Wisconsin, and we'll talk about some other things that he's talking about in Wisconsin and a push that the president has to make America great by making products in America, keeping the products being made in America, and what we as consumers can do by buying American as well. Scott has talked about this for years before. Before the president even ran, we'll be back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM and you after this. One more segment that's one more opportunity to call with questions or comments on these issues. 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Leslie Marshall, real people, real life, real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6LESLIE. President of the AAM, the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. The website is AmericanManufacturing.org. And we're talking manufacturing as the president is as well. Scott, thank you for holding. Welcome back. As President Trump speaks in Wisconsin, in Kenosha, at the Snap-on Tool Manufacturing Company, and like you said, manufacturing is big, huge, uh, numero uno in Wisconsin, he is now signing an executive order directing federal agencies to buy American Hire American. A few things here. Um, the president has flip-flopped on this. This executive order, would you say, is a key campaign pledge he promised to deliver on that he actually is delivering on today with the signing of this executive order? I'd be willing to bet that he said buy American, hire American almost every day during the campaign. <laughs> um, and and so, you know, he had to deliver on something. The the, the 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 executive order that uh, he just signed would uh, w- would put some wheels in motion, Leslie. But but it's it, again, it's not a a big dramatic policy shift. Uh, the I, I think the you know fr- from my perspective and and just having read it. The executive order uh, is, is helpful in that it provides some guidance to agencies and says we need, you know, you need to uh, look at uh, look at ways to, to improve by American and then report back to me with some recommendations um, sometime before the end of the year, basically in about uh, 220 days or so. Uh, and so this is a this is far different than. You know, making a complete ironclad shift in government policy 
Uh, and, and so I, I point that out that this is, you know, this is a step in the right direction, uh, but it's it's far from, you know, uh, fr from checking off his campaign promise uh, that he made the, to the American people, and, and one that I supported on 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 by, on by America, I will say. Uh, and so the other thing that I would say about this, and I think this is important, you can have all the Buy America policies that you want. But unless you're actually investing in our infrastructure and, and rebuilding our water systems and building those uh, those bridges that we need to replace the, the old and, and deficient bridges that the American Society of Civil Engineers have cited, uh, unless you're building out a new uh, broadband network and, and energy grid for the United States and, and modernizing our airports and our, our dams, as we saw in, in California earlier this year, that, that is so desperately needed, then Buy America doesn't need, mean much. I mean, you actually have to have some of these investments uh, in our future uh, to create those jobs, because Buy America in and of itself isn't going to add another job unless we're also investing money in the things that we need to be doing to to remake America, uh, and and that's you know that's the next struggle uh, in this. The the other the other thing is that I think as a great leader you lead by example. And we know that the president has many products. You can see, you know, a lot of them, including they would say Make America Great hats that are, you know, made in Mexico, made in China, India, Bangladesh, the Philippines, um, to name a few places. And, of course, he has used uh, steel from abroad, not American-made uh, steel, uh, for some of the buildings that bear his name. Um, can you speak to that? And also his daughter. His daughter has a huge amount of uh, products that she has imported from overseas and specifically from China for her, her Ivanka line. Yeah, I, th I think it's important to lead by example. Um, and uh, we, we talked about this during the, during the campaign. Um, and I, I think that that can continue to be a problem for the family brand, and you know, just imagine the goodwill that they would that they would build up by, you know, shifting production to the United States is actually a pretty, you know, a, a pretty easy thing to do. And um, if if they set their minds to it, and there's pr plenty of celebrity lines that make some of their some, if not all, uh, of their of their fashion in the United States. Uh, you know, the the Olsen sisters have a fashion line that's produced in the United States. Sarah Jessica Parker, uh, some of her clothesline is, is manufactured in the United States. And I can, go, I, mean, I can go on and on talking about this. And so it's, it's not all that difficult from furniture to fashion um, to, 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 to put your money where your mouth is. And, uh, you know, ostensibly they're separated from the business now. Uh, but what an easy thing to do to, 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 to build goodwill. The fact that that hasn't occurred, I think, speaks volumes perhaps about uh, the, their, their viewpoint about this. Um, but, you know, that is, the, the, from a public policy perspective, um, you know, it doesn't mean that, that he's not going to get to where he says he wants to be on Buy America. But I think, it's I think it's incumbent upon all of us, both the critics of Donald Trump and his supporters, to hold him accountable for his promises uh, and to look rationally at what he's doing and what he's not doing. And so for this executive order, I say, look, this is a good first step. This is, this is not even close to delivering on the campaign promise yet. There's a lot of work we have to do. Uh, and he's got to back it up with that investment uh, in infrastructure. 
uh, to make a difference for the American people. Very quickly, we only have a minute uh, left. Um, for tech companies uh, to replace uh, American workers and, and making it harder, I want people to be hired from this country. But there are very specific types of jobs in Silicon Valley that ha- that cannot be filled currently uh, by Americans. Don't we want the best? Uh, quick, very quick, a sentence or two. Don't we want the best and the brightest? We want the best and the brightest as long as corporations aren't using the H-1B to replace incumbent workers for workers from overseas that they can exploit and pay lower wages, which has a net negative effect on our economy. I think that there's a path forward. I hope I hope we get there. Thank you, Scott. As always, happy Tuesday. Thank you for being with us. Scott Paul, follow him on Twitter at Scott Paul AAM. The website is AmericanManufacturing.org. I'm Leslie Marshall. There's always more to come on the only true democracy in talk radio. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.